Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 2. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you were with us last week, you know that we began with the Christmas story there in Luke chapter 2. Were you with me last week? Just by show of hands. Just by show of hands. Good, that's most of you. And uh, we were talking about the Christmas story. Go ahead and look at chapter 2, right about verse 1, as we talked about a decree that went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And so we find in verses 1 through 7 that uh, all the world packed up their bags and they headed to their hometown to be registered. And Mary and Joseph, they also uh, moved uh, to their hometown to be registered. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, they looked for a hotel. But in verse 7, you can go ahead and peek at that, there was no room in the inn. And so Mary finds herself giving birth, are you listening, to the Savior of the world in a barn. The Bible tells us that she brought forth in verse 7. She brought forth. It indicates in the Greek language that Mary by herself brought forth. No OBGYN doc, no midwife, no help. Mary brought forth the Son of God, Jesus and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Last week, I read you a quote from Max Lucado, and I like Max Lucado. I think he's very insightful, and um, and I think he's a great writer. And I ran across this statement again by Max Lucado, and I love this statement, as listen closely as he looks into the scene of the baby resting in the manger. And he writes this, rest well, tiny hands. For though you belong to a king, you will touch no satin, own no gold. You will grasp no pen, guide no brush. No, your tiny hands are reserved for works more precious. To touch a leper's open wounds, to wipe a widow's tears away, to open the eyes of the blind, to make straight the lame, to claw the ground of Gethsemane. Your hands, so tiny, so tender, so white, clutched tonight in an infant's fist. They aren't destined to hold a scepter, nor to wave from a palace balcony. They are reserved instead for a Roman spike that will staple them to a, a Roman cross. Sleep deeply, tiny eyes. Sleep while you can, for soon the blurriness will clear and you will see the mess we have made of the world. You will see our nakedness, for we cannot hide. 
You will see our selfishness, for we cannot give. You will see our pain, for we cannot heal. O eyes that will see hell's darkest pit and witness her ugly prints, sleep. Please sleep. Sleep while you can. Lay still, tiny mouth. Lay still, mouth from which eternity will speak. Tiny tongue that will soon summon the dead, that will define grace, that will silence our foolishness. Rosebud lips upon which ride a star-born kiss of forgiveness to those who believe you and of death to those who deny you lay still. And tiny feet cupped in the palm of my hand rest. For many difficult steps lie ahead of you. Rest, tiny feet. Rest today, so that tomorrow you might walk with power. Rest, for millions will follow in your footsteps. I like that. Insightful. Well, this morning, we turn our attention from Mary and Joseph and the babe in the manger to the shepherds. I've actually titled this sermon, I cleverly titled this sermon, the shepherds. I worked on that one all week. What can I title this sermon that will be clever and interesting? The shepherds. If you're taking notes, I'm going to give you eight points this morning, all beginning with R. That's another clever thing I did. All these points begin with R. And uh, concerning the shepherds, if you're taking notes, first of all, we're going to talk about, here's what we'll talk about today, our outline. The shepherd's reputation, we'll talk about that in verse 8. And then we'll talk about the shepherd's reverence in verse 9. And then we talk about the shepherd's real good news. You see how clever that was? I added the R in there. Real good news in verse 10 and 11 and 12. And then number four, we'll talk about the shepherd's revelation of peace. You'll find that in verse 13 and 14. And then number five, we'll talk about the shepherds receive in verse 15 and 16. And then number six, the shepherds recounted, verse 17 and 18. The shepherds rejoiced, verse 20. And the shepherds return again in verse 20. The shepherd's reputation, the reverence, the real good news, the revelation of peace, The shepherds receive and recounted and rejoiced and they return. We'll talk about that. Some of the points we'll talk about a bit longer than the others. See what we can do today. Luke chapter 2, we pick up in verse 8. Saints, if you're looking at it, say amen. amen. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to most people. Is that what it says? What does it say? Which will be to all people. For there is born in verse 11 to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. 
you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude, with the, suddenly with the angel was a multitude of heavenly host angels praising God. And read verse 14 with me saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it, they marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all those things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned. And what were they doing? Somebody help me. Glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard, the things they had seen, as it was told to them. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Did you know the Bible has a lot to say about shepherds. Did you know that the first profession, listen, give me your attention, the first profession or the first occupation recorded in the Bible is that of a shepherd. We find it in Genesis chapter 4, right about verse 2, the Bible tells us that Abel was the first shepherd recorded in the Bible. And then we have in Genesis chapter 12, verse 16, Abraham was a shepherd. Did you know in Genesis chapter 29, verse 9, interesting, it tells us that Rachel was a female shepherd. She was a shepherdess. And then Jacob was a shepherd. We find that in Genesis chapter 30. And we all know Moses was a shepherd. We find that in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. And then we know that Rodney was a shepherd. We find that in Rodney 1, 1. It's in there. There are over 200 mentions. The Bible has so much to say about shepherds. We could keep you here for an hour. There are over 200 mentions of the word shepherd in the Bible. Point number one, the shepherd's reputation. Listen, a shepherd was the last person you would expect God to appear to. Shepherds in Jesus' day, listen close, were considered an outcast in Jesus' day. Jewish law declared shepherds as unclean and they were looked at with suspicion. When shepherds were around people, people would lock up their things because things tend to disappear when shepherds were around. Shepherds were not permitted to give testimony in a court of law because their word was considered untrustworthy. Shepherds didn't have much contact with people because they lived in the fields. So I'm sure that as these shepherds are in the field and the angel shows up and he just appears from nowhere, because the shepherds knew how people thought of them and the shepherds understood their reputation in the community. The angel showed up and the, and the shepherds probably said, listen, I didn't do it. it. It wasn't me. I wasn't there. Because they had a bad reputation. Now, if you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, you know this. Remember I told you some time ago that in the temple, get this, 
in the temple, there was a racket going on. There were uh, these uh, temple priests who were kind of um, sacrifice or lamb inspectors. And when the people would come to Jerusalem from all over the Roman Empire, they would come to celebrate the feast in Jerusalem. They would have to bring a lamb as an offering. So you have these lamb inspectors who would be there as the people would come from far away with their lamb and they would bring it to the temple. They would give it to the inspector. The inspector would look at the lamb and he would inspect the lamb and he'd go, oh, yeah, yeah. Looking at the lamb, open up the mouth, look under the legs, look under the body. And then he'd go, oh, yeah, well, there, there's a spot. There's a spot. Oh, excuse me, miss. There's a spot right there on this lamb. And because there's a spot or a blemish on this lamb, uh, you, can, you can't offer this lamb as a sacrifice. Would you happen to have another lamb with you I can inspect? Well, of course, no one traveled with two lambs. So, no, sir, I don't, I don't have another lamb. We just, you know, don't have another lamb. They say, oh, well, we have, another, we have some lambs right here. And these lambs here are without spot or without blemish. And these lambs you can sacrifice because they've already been inspected. So the people with them, because they traveled a far way, are you listening? They would have to then purchase one of these lambs that the temple sold at 10 times the amount of what a lamb would cost. You also know if you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, that Jesus one day went in and turned over the tables of the money changers. And the reason that Jesus went and turned over the tables in the temple of the money changers is because, again, people would come from far away, coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast, and maybe they were coming from as far as Puteoli. And in Puteoli, they had a different currency. So they travel, they come to Jerusalem. You come to the temple, you have to make an offering. The temple only accepts shekels. So this person would say, well, listen, the temple only accepts shekels and your currency, you know, you, you need to make a transaction to, to, to get the, the shekel currency. And what they would do is charge an exorbitant amount of money to exchange the money into shekels. It was a racket going on in the temple. And Jesus, when he got to the temple and realized that they had a racket going on, Jesus, the Bible says, took a whip and he began to whip around. No, it doesn't say that that whip hit anybody. But it does say that Jesus took a whip. He began to hit around. He began to turn over the tables of the money changers. And he said, do not make my father's house a den of thieves. You got to understand something here. Jesus did not have a problem with the fact that they were making transaction in the temple. That was not the point. You know, some people say to me, Pastor Rodney, how can we have a cafe? Oh, you know, we're selling things in the church. Oh, there was a cafe in the church. And how come we have a cafe in the church and selling coffee? And how come we have a bookstore? You know, Jesus turned over the tables of the money changers and Jesus doesn't like things to be sold in the church. I'm like, no, 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 no. Hold on, partner. First of all, we have a cafe in the church because some folks like lattes. <laughs> Forgive me. We have a bookstore in the church because some folks need to buy Christian stuff. Did you hear me? Some folks need to put some Christian stuff in the house. Some folks need to put some 
Christian stuff, music in their CD player, in their iPod. Okay, I don't go there. I won't go there. Okay. So we have a bookstore and we have a cafe that it might be a blessing to people. And you should also understand because we are a church and the bookstore and the cafe is located in the church, we don't have the overhead that Starbucks has and we don't have the overhead that Family Christian Bookstore has. Therefore, we can sell all of our items at a much cheaper price. So actually, you buy a Bible here, here's a cheap plug. You buy a Bible here, you will get it cheaper than you get it out there. You buy a cup of coffee here, you will get it cheaper than you will get it at Starbucks because we don't have to mark up the price. God does not have a problem with transaction in the church. The problem Jesus was having was that the people were being taken advantage of in the church and the leaders who were supposed to be leading the people to God and introducing people to God and helping people to understand who God is and clearing the way so people could come to God were hindering people by ripping them off. Do you understand? And that's why he turned over the tables and the money changers. It is also interesting, get this, that many scholars believe that these shepherds who were watching the sheep in the field, that this field was located right near the temple. So then those sheep that they were raising, the ones without spot or blemish, were being raised like right next door. And so these temple people would just go and get a bunch of sheep or the shepherd would just bring them over and they would be being sold at an exorbitant amount of money. So God doesn't have a problem with transaction in the church. He has a problem with people being taken advantage of. I do find it also interesting, saints, listen to this. I find it interesting, as I said, that these shepherds, to be the same shepherds that provided the temple with its lambs for sacrifice. But I also find it interesting, get this, that the guys who took care of the lambs, the shepherds, the guys who took care of the lambs that were to be sacrificed, were the first ones to see the Lamb of God that was to be sacrificed. Things that make you go, hmm. These shepherds who were raising lambs to be sacrificed were the first ones to see the sacrificial lamb, Jesus. Another thing I find interesting is that although these shepherds had a very bad reputation among the people, Jesus himself comes along. And in John chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. I find it interesting that Jesus would call himself a shepherd. Even though shepherds had a really bad reputation, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd who lays his life down for his sheep. Let's move forward. Point number two, the shepherd's reverence. Go ahead and look at verse nine in your Bibles again. So the angel shows up and the angel says what angels always say when they show up. Search the Bible. Every time, whenever angels show up anywhere, the very first thing out of their mouth is fear not. Why? Because if an angel shows up in your bedroom, can I get a witness? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Let me tell you, if an angel show up in my bedroom, first thing that's going to happen, what? I'm going to freak out and start fighting. No, I'm just kidding. You're going to be fearful. So the angel shows up and he says, 
He says, fear not. And these, 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 these shepherds, they obviously had a, a reverence and a respect as they listened to uh, what the angel had to tell them. Point number three, let's move forward. The shepherds, real good news. Look at verse 10 through 12 again in your Bibles. Notice the angel says, you don't need to fear because I'm coming to you to bring you good news of great joy, which is for all people today in the city of David, a savior. Would you underline that in your Bible? A savior has been born. Christ underlined that the Lord underlined that. I have you underline that because what we have here, ladies and gentlemen, is a triple title for Jesus. Savior. He will save people from their sins. Christ means anointed one. You might want to write that down. And Lord speaks of the divine nature, the redeemer, the Messiah, Yahweh. It's good news and great joy for all people. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad about it that he says it's for all people? Are you glad about it? For all folks. Not for some. Not for a certain caste. Not for a certain group. Not for those who live on the right side of the tracks. But it's good news. It's great news for all people that God, listen to me, would leave his throne in heaven and take on flesh and become a man and to live on this earth and to walk among the disciples for three and a half years and then to go to the cross, that's good news. God becoming man. We call that the incarnation. It was Martin Luther who called it the enfleshment. I like that, the enfleshment, that God took on flesh. There's this one guy by the name of J. Robert Oppenheimer, and he said the best way to send an idea is to wrap it in a person. The best way to set an idea is to wrap it in a person. So what we have here, ladies and gentlemen, is we have royalty clothed in rags. Majesty emerging in the midst of the mundane. Eternity stepping into time. And the most prominent event of all of history being noticed by no one but a handful of outcasts. Look at verse 12 in your Bibles. And this is a sign you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a feeding trough. Lying in a feeding trough. Very interesting. Isn't this just like God? The first to hear the great message of the good news. Isn't this just like God? The first to hear the great message of the good news is the lowest in culture, is the lowest in society and life. God comes to the lowest first. Would you not think, probably us, we might go to the president, go to the king, go to an ambassador to bring this great news? No, God goes to shepherds. Why? Why did God do it this way? Well, I think, listen, God wanted to be clear. Saints, listen. God wanted to be clear that his love does not discriminate based on class, wealth, or social standing. God does not respect kings more than hourly workers. God does not value priests and pastors more than people in the pews. God does not show favoritism. God does not have preferential treatment for one group over another. 
Every man must come to Christ the same way. I don't care who you are or where you're from, how much money you have or how much money you don't have. We all come to God on the same basis. Aren't you happy about that? We all come to God. Otherwise, you know, if, 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 if only the rich could be saved, well, then only the rich would be saved because they're the only ones who could afford it. But God didn't make it that way. Everybody must come by faith in Jesus and faith alone. We got to move forward. Point number four, the shepherd's revelation of peace. Notice in verse 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel. Are you looking at verse 13 and 14? If you're looking at it, say amen. amen. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of angels. I mean, stop and think about that. The shepherds are already freaked out. They already are freaked out. They're freaked out because they're talking to one angel. And then all of a sudden, listen, the implication is all of a sudden the lights come on and there is a multitude of angels. It's almost like this. You know, like if you go to a show, like a Broadway show or stage performance or whatever, and there's a person in the middle of stage and the lights are on them and they're singing or they're performing or whatever it is they're doing. And then all of a sudden, have you ever seen this? All of a sudden at the right time, at the right place in the song or whatever it might be, all of a sudden the lights come up in the back and there's like this huge orchestra in the back. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? There's like this huge orchestra in the back. That's kind of how it was for the shepherds. They're standing there talking to the angel. They're already freaked out because they're talking to one angel. And then all of a sudden the Bible says that there is a multitude. When the Bible uses the word multitude in the Greek language, it is implying that it is ten thousands of ten thousands of angels. And they're probably talking to the angel and all of a sudden the lights come on and they see all of these angels like, whoa, man, that's creepy. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.